It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, there's no Lee Lonsbury because it's President's Day and we gave him a day off, but it's Amy Donaldson. Scott Howell, right here live with you. Um, we're very happy to be here, even though it's our day off. <laughs> Scott dressed up, I dressed in sweats. Um, but we have a couple of you who've weighed in on our tech, on a Utah Community Credit Union text line, which we encourage all of you to do by texting 57500. Um, and let us know who your favorite president was. And you can tell why if you want to go to that trouble. Or, you know, share my favorite quote. Uh, favorite quote. We have a couple that has been shared with us. Thomas Jefferson is my favorite president. And my favorite quote of his, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Wow. Teddy Roosevelt, because of his efforts to protect the wildlife and public lands, a favorite quote in the moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing you can do is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. I love Does that. Does that sound angry? That sounds like Teddy Roosevelt. Does that just yeah. sound like him? Can't yes. you see him? Yeah, and it sounds like an outdoorsman as well. Yeah, exactly. Because if you've ever been in trouble in the outdoors, right, right. the worst thing you can do is nothing. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, thank you. Keep them coming. Uh, again, that another number quote. Five, seven, five, zero, zero. Oh, yeah, quote. our quote. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, let's see. My second one is from Lyndon Baines Johnson, who served from 1963 to 69. You ain't learning nothing when you're talking. That's my favorite. <laughs> my, my dad used to say, Scott, <laughs> you have two ears and one mouth for for one reason. My podcast partner, Jason Lee, Same uh, thing. was the reason. His mother used to say Twice that. Twice as much listening and a lot one time only talking. Yes. I, I love that one. That's a great one, Amy. I, I love this one. The harder the conflict, the greater the triumph. George Washington, 1789 to 1797. Which means if you're tired and you feel like yeah. things in your life are too not, difficult, yeah. right? That that means that it matters more. Have you ever felt like that, Amy? Like, why am I doing this? Why am I taking on one more battle? Why? Why? When you could just go uh, go in and, and go to Hermitville and, and live mm-hmm. this life. Why? Yeah. What motivates you to stay engaged? Um, you know, I've had that feeling recently. I, I feel like the political game is not for all of us and it doesn't include there's not a place for everyone at the table right. and i have felt disenfranchised a lot and right. uh and really most recently I, it was a pep talk i went down to byu to hear uh brian stevenson oh yes um, yes who yes. wrote just mercy yeah and, and it's also oh. a movie now if you haven't seen it um and uh i would encourage you to do so but um he said you know the one thing you can't do is lose hope and I never give up. Yeah. And just, just, never give up. It, it just even more than that, just like you have to be hopeful. You have to believe that there is something positive on the horizon, right? Yeah. His speech motivated so much. I actually got to have his book. I'm in a third way into it. And uh, I read his book. I love it. I love what he's done there. He's an incredibly courageous human being. One of the uh, up and comers that you'll see in, in the uh, women. Uh, in the great state of Utah is Lisa Gross' son, and I think she was one of the hosts of him and wrote, wrote a lot of things on Facebook about him. And uh, that motivated me to get that book, so I'm anxious to see the movie. All right, well, we're, let's, talk, let's talk to our next guest. Uh, we have Ron Fox. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about presidents in Utah. Do you want to introduce Ron? Oh, man, Ron Fox is the man. I'm telling you, he is the historian of Utah. He knows more about 
every little nook and cranny of the great state of Utah, what's happened, who's been here. Ron, thank you for joining us. I know you're down in the great state of Nevada helping uh, President Trump. Uh, yep. And full disclosure, you know I'm a Biden fan, and I'm supposed to be down there later on in the week. And uh, uh, it's great that two friends can uh, be out campaigning for the right people. But today, tell us a little bit about Utah and the history we have with presidents here, Ron. Well, we've had a number of presidents come to Utah. In fact, there's only three presidents since, since 1869 and the uh, railroad that uh, didn't come. Uh, we had President uh, uh, Arthur, President uh, Cleveland and President uh, uh, Coolidge that didn't show up in Utah. But all others have come since uh, President Grant's first visit. That was October 5th, 1875. Hmm, interesting. So we've had, you know, we've had some great visits. What are some of the reasons for them coming to Utah? We don't really think of ourselves as really a big political player in the, on the national scene, but what are some of the reasons that they've come to Utah? Well, President Grant wanted to go as far as he could on the new railroad uh, to see as much of the West as he could. Uh, he did come back through Utah when he did his world tour in 1879, but, but most of the presidents that came here were doing military tours all of them came up to fort douglas and they wanted to greet the people some people uh in grant's case felt very deceived by the you know the uh the uh impression that many people gave about the lds people and not being supportive of the country and when they came here they found out that they did uh, have great support and love for the country of course we tried to become a state from 1849 to or actually 1850 to, to 1896 so there's always an interest in having presidents come to Utah, and uh, we've you know, we've seen most all of them. Obama made it uh, on his last couple months of the presidency coming in. You know, Ron, uh, my mother went to see JFK at the Hotel Utah, and my grandfather was it worked for the administration, worked for the Kennedy administration, and um, I'll never forget when she came home and just gushed about that visit. And wasn't it just about 25 days later that he was assassinated or shortly? Yeah, it was, it was September 25th, I think it was, or 26th of 1963. And, of course, no, on November 22nd, he was assassinated. And, you know, it, it, you know, it's strange. I've seen the pictures from the Deseret News that, you know, the motorcade through the city and he's in the same car, in an open car, uh, going through the streets of uh, Salt Lake. Ron, was he the first to speak at the Tabernacle? Was he the no, 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 no? Tell us about uh, that and and where the the LDS Church uh, started that practice and what they did. Well, there have been nineteen presidents that I've documented that have been in the Tabernacle. Most of them came in and just did you know tours. Or there was a famous one of uh, President um, um, Benjamin Her No, it was um, Hayes, President Rutherford B. Hayes. And uh, General uh, Sherman, who, of course, burnt down Atlanta uh, and was a great Civil War general. And they played the game of, you know, having presidents stand on the pulpit and, and General Sherman in the back. And they did the, the pin dropping game or the whispering game. And so we've had a number of them. But, but the first one to actually speak was Theodore Roosevelt. And it was at that time he announced the USS Utah uh, would be built. And that really enthused the crowd. And then we've had a number of uh, presidents uh, speak in the in the tabernacle through the years, uh, uh, but like I said, uh, there's been a great number of them that have come in. I escorted one in, and it was a great it was a great day and a great event. 
And I, I think we should note that USS Utah was sunk at Pearl Harbor. Oh, if, it was. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, Good point. Yeah. Good so, point. And, yeah, the Utah was a great ship. You can still visit it, right? You can at least, uh, yeah. there's a little, there's some information out there when you when you visit Pearl Harbor, um, which I recommend uh, yeah. spitting into any vacation in Hawaii. <laughs> Ron, in our, our last uh, few minutes, share with us what, what episode. Actually, we have like one minute. One minute. Yes. Thank you, Amy. All right. Uh, share with us what what experience uh, impressed you the most of a presence visit, and and what happened to to cause you to be motivated by that presence visit. Well, personally, of course, I've I've done a number of the visits uh, to Utah and took President Trump with the current uh, leadership, President Nelson and President Eyring at the time, uh, to tour the Bishop's Storehouse, and that was educational. From a historic standpoint, I think President Wilson's visit here, he was trying to sell the League of Nations in 1919. He called the the first person he called upon and wanted to meet was Emmeline Wells, and she couldn't even get out of bed, so he went right to her suite and and visited with her and thanked her for the 100,000 bushels of wheat that the Relief Society put together and gave to the U.S. government for the purposes of, you know, the war effort. So there's been a lot of great ones. Um, President Johnson loved President McKay and and actually had the flag from the inauguration um, delivered to him here in his suite at the Hotel Utah after the choir had sung. And uh, LBJ actually once diverted his plane coming from uh, California to to D.C. uh, and knew it was McKay's birthday and literally had the plane stop in Salt Lake and he went and visited him. That's the benefits of having a private jet. We want to. We have to break, but we want to thank you so much for this, and thank you for uh, helping us celebrate President's Day uh, a little more meaningful. It was great, Ron. Uh, Ron Fox, the historian of uh, the great state of Utah. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure, and just I'll end with a uh, Teddy Roosevelt quote: uh, "Be brief, be seated. I mean, be brief, uh, be to the point, and then be seated." <laughs> I, I may so actually much. add that one. No, today. no, clo- it was close to that, but that, but it was another t- Teddy Roosevelt. Had some great ones, if you don't know. So, great, thank you so much. Great advice, Ron. Travel safe. Appreciate your time. We're gonna head to break. You're listening to Live Mike on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.